Attention-seeking behavior. With Casey Kostak. Uh, you know, yeah, that's, uh, that's the problem with this place. It does smell way too good in here. Yep. Oh. Welcome, hey, thanks, guys. Feel free to say hello. Special one of those great job tonight. Thank you. You guys, we, we were all we were all on our no, no, games. All recorded. Oh, great. Uh, your two sets, my interface stopped working. So, okay. so you might not have gotten audio, but I have. Not worried. It's just five minutes of me going, ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> so, so. You said you didn't record, but I get audio from the board. Oh, great. Cool. Oh, very cool. And did you get your Snow Jam sets? No, I got an email asking me if I would like them, but then I never got them. Awesome. We're here all week. Beautiful. Here all week. We're here all week. Here all week. I bet if we ask them, they will turn that down. <laughs> right? I got it. Yeah. Oh, thanks, buddy. Yeah. Oh, it's all good. We've been recording this last conversation. So. Oh, this is like the. This the, is it. This, this is just, like before WTF when it starts. And like, oh, it's taping. We're yeah. already rolling. We're just. We're already recording. Uh, that's how we like to roll. Awesome. So yeah, we could get distracted with the uh, the Lakers Bucks game because super organic. Somehow the Bucks are good Great again. Tech. Yeah. Great job, uh, It's buddy. been like what since the seventies since the Bucks have been good. I know nothing about sports, so I'll say <laughs> sure. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, 70s sounds about right. Uh, <laughs> I think that's when they won their last championship. I don't know. The seventy. They were good back. Uh, I mean, if you know nothing about sports, I'm just gonna say names, and you could go, yeah, sure, yeah. man. Ray Allen. That'll be Michael great for Red. the listeners to hear me <laughs> not know what you're talking about. Enjoy. <laughs> Buckle up. Welcome, Spencer. Thank you for hey. having me, Casey. Oh, I can't. I'm, I'm so excited. Uh, listeners are going to be very intrigued because you jumped on Stu's yes. podcast last week. Right. Uh, after the, what was uh, the uh, Run the Light or Run, yeah, Run the Light. Uh, I, th- I believe so, yeah. It was like the next morning you take that, mm-hmm. right? Everybody was in the hotel lobby yep. and having a little continental breakfast. And yeah, that was a fun one. let me one. hop in and patch, pitch some stuff, which was nice of you. Yeah, it was uh, that was a lot of fun. Were you, were you on the Run the Light? Show? I did not do the Run the Light show, uh, and for the listeners who weren't there, the Run the Light show means that you, the comic does a five <laughs> minute set, and then for the next two minutes people get to heckle, but because we're in the Midwest, nobody really heckled very much. Right. We did although nothing. I I was very happy with my heckle for Stu, who I already know, so I felt comfortable doing it. Oh, was it the... My heckle was, you look like Herman Munster got AIDS and started a Spin Doctors (laughs) cover cover band. (laughs) I loved that. That was good. I laughed in the back. I was like, yes. (laughs) Whoever said that, he is a fucking genius. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, so now you get to be on. Uh, I think I should start doing that. The next person who jumps on in the middle of somebody's show gets the next episode. Right. (laughs) So... Uh, Sounds well, great. All we're going to do is just talk. Okay, man. And that's pretty much it. But uh, I want to know first, uh, okay. because uh, you're not just a comic, but you're also an animator. Yes. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Oh, comedy. Uh, <laughs> Miles, way, 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 years, years, years before I started doing animation. The only reason I started doing animation was because I bought a Nexus 7 tablet, and the pen function 
was really authentic. Like it really seemed like you were drawing with paper. Okay. And then I noticed I could export the drawings into my computer and I already had video editing software and I'm like, hmm. And then I started digging into it and then I found out that there's it's really affordable you know, to get started at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was doing it just with a mouse, so everything was like really perfect shapes and things like that, but the mouths moved to the words and things like that. And I learned all the fundamentals, and then I got a, um, a knockoff Wacom tablet. No, nope, that's not true. I got a little <laughs> small, cheap Wacom tablet, and then it got a little better, and then I got a bigger one, and that got a little bit better, and um, yeah, now it's okay. I, 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 it's hard to, I don't know if I'm good at it or not, uh, because I do it too much myself, but I've gotten gigs because of it. Like, people go to my website and, and like it, and then they hire me to do stuff because of it. So I guess it's okay. Hire you to do comedy? They hire me to do comedy because do of it. Yeah, and I did. I did get hired to do a music video too. Oh really? But hiring people to do co- animation so you is had, like, expensive. So like the next aha, right? <laughs> well, it was uh, it was a really it was a, a guy found me on this website mm-hmm. called Newgrounds that does a lot of they have video games and animation and stuff like that. And they're our sponsor. No, oh, no kidding. No. Okay. <laughs> Shout out to Newgrounds. But um, but he just liked my stuff, and uh, he he had this really. It was really fun because it was, uh, you know, it was a rap video, so it's really sexual, and I got to draw a stripper, and I got to draw these people having sex in a shower, and uh, and I'm pretty good with likenesses. I'm I'm not uh, Valley Fair caricature quality. Okay. But uh, you can tell when I draw somebody. <laughs> they look like who I'm trying to make them look like, so that's good. Oh, that that's really cool. I, so, I mean, really, it was just by by fluke of just dicking around on a tablet. You're like, well, hey, I find it. okay. There's a there's a comedian from the '60s um, named Lenny Bruce. Some people will know who he is. Some people don't know who he is. But he's got a bit called "Thank You, Mask Man," which is about how the Lone Ranger never sticks around for a thank you mm-hmm. um, because then he'll start expecting him. And if the Messiah comes back and there's no more crime and no more trouble, and he's addicted to thank yous, he'll have to make trouble. To go get more thank yous, okay, and then it ends up with him fucking a horse. But um, <laughs> it's a really, it's a very funny, convoluted, incredible bit, and somebody made put animation on top of it, and it was the first time I'd ever seen stand-up audio as the soundtrack for a cartoon. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm a Bugs Bunny kid. We used to right, get up in the yeah. morning. That was a yep. big. The Hanna-Barbera cartoons. Sure, and, yep. sure, but Warner Brothers specifically, especially before. TV on demand. Like now, I, I don't think young people understand how fun it was that, like, it's seven o'clock in the morning on Saturday. We right. have to get up because Bugs Bunny Roadrunner's on. Yes. And then, it, and then yes. even in my 20s, like, the tick is on at nine o'clock in the morning on Fox, and we can watch the real Ghostbusters. And the 1992 X Men animated Absolutely, series. Absolutely, man. It was great. Absolutely. And, um, uh, I, there's a term for it. I think it's like appointment television or something like that, where people used to give a shit that it's Thursday because we're going to go watch Friends. Friends and Seinfeld. Yeah, and, and then the yeah, Simpsons Frasier, on Sunday, Sundays, and yeah. everybody gather around. And, and I love that. And so I've always loved cartoons, and I've always loved animation. And it was like, I'm going to see... Like, I didn't think it would work. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I'll give it a shot. That was the thing I loved about stand-up. It was the first time I'd ever done something. And granted, I, could, I learned how to play guitar when I was in high school, but there's no way to know if it works when you play guitar because with stand-up, there's a feedback loop. Right. I do a joke and the audience laughs. And I go, oh, Sometimes. holy <laughs> fuck, it worked. So, but you know if it yeah, works. right, exactly. It's, it's an instant thing. And so for me, it was the first thing I'd ever done where it was like, oh, I'm kind of, I'm sure I was good at other things, but I didn't, you, you don't know how to judge yourself. But mm-hmm. with stand-up, there's a whole room full of people going, 
we enjoy this and we will express it with our bodies and laughters and smiles. And so with the cartoon, though, I could see it and play it back and go, holy shit, that kind of works. You know, and then mm-hmm. you post it, and you get positive feedback sometimes, and sometimes you don't. But right. so be it. But have it you gotten w- any like any any weird feedback or any? Oh, I did. I wish I could remember it. <laughs> I never want to know about the negative stuff. I always want to know about like what's the weirdest thing that somebody ever said to you. After oh my the god! Show? Like, well, people will give you the the well. I, I can. I'm, I'm being sidetracked. I don't have to look, no, up, no, I don't no. have to look up the right. comment. The, the I'm weird, a comic. We can, we can fill dead air. <laughs> a, a lot of people will, um, not as much, but usually I have a joke, and this is such a trite thing to say, but it's, it's really true. People go, I have a joke, and then the most racist thing in the world comes it's, out of their mouth. Yes, and go, okay. every time. But I did a show once, and I went to the urinal uh, in the public restroom at the comedy club, and a guy slapped me on the back while I was peeing and said, good job. And I'm like, hmm. Not in a urinal, buddy. That is not the place for that. <laughs> that is not okay. <laughs> well, yeah, that's certainly weird. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, the weirdest one I got is um, I used to, uh, and I, I still kind of do it, but I, I used to talk about how I've been married for my wife for odd numbers of years, so mm-hmm. you can always add in that next year that mm-hmm. we've survived marriage, you know? Uh, and I would always say, so it's like sex doesn't happen. Okay. You know, so I used to I talk about how that I'm like sex is a lot like an episode of Shark Tank now. It's just me negotiating <laughs> <laughs> with her, you know. And after the show, I had this woman come up to me, and she's like, "Well, hey, let's go to the bar and let me get you a couple of drinks." So I was like, "Oh no, 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 no." She's like, "No." She's like, "Look, seriously, if you're not getting any." I won't say anything. I'm like, oh, no, that's not appropriate here. I'm like, just because I joke about it doesn't mean <laughs> that it's true. Right. <laughs> I'm like, there's an exaggeration to the truth. We have a perfectly good, <laughs> healthy, intimate life. <laughs> right, right. But that was just that was just uh, uh, just odd for me. Um, what, so did the animation just happen by fluke when you were uh, – you picked it up and you're like, I'm going to try this. I, I, I love these cartoons. I love, yeah. I, I love experiencing well, this. Well, and, and like when I was a kid, I was a big doodler. You know, I, okay. I, I like my Trapper Keeper was covered with drawings and of, of various degrees of quality. And, you know, even <laughs> in, the, in the 90s, I had started um, just pen and ink. And mm-hmm. I would take uh, and try and, and, you know, do my bits as a comic strip. Cause, and I'm not a comic oh. book nerd. I am a guy who grew up in a town of 29 people, at least, well, till I was seven. And so the Sunday funnies were a big deal mm-hmm. when I was a kid. Yep, yep. And, you know, I was in high school during the heyday of the far side and the heyday of Bloom County. And How old are you? Know? I'm a thousand. <laughs> but those were really good, consistently funny comic strips. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that it, that exists anymore. Um, and, it, and by the way, the, I mean, the, the meme has replaced the comic strip. Yeah. They, they serve the same function, but a really well crafted visual joke with a punchline I, I you know I my my animation has visual punchlines to it but mm-hmm. just one frame that can make you howl with laughter I don't think I'm ever going to be that good I mean it's you're being Stephen Wright with a picture you know mm-hmm. like it's just one sentence that knocks you on your ass and then one picture that perfectly you know right to me that is like oh that's so good um, but if you if you do develop that right now, there's nothing to there's no place to put it um, because the internet is full of memes. Right, um, it's just getting put at the bottom, or, or who just knows? Getting lost I, don't, I don't know. And may, maybe it'll come around. I honestly think, 
collectively as a society our production value is going to start coming up because um, there was a while there when YouTube first came out when it was just like people were making kind of crappy videos and yeah. uh, and I remember like I was in a communication class in college and I was like well we should learn how to make YouTube videos and it's like there's just point a camera there's nothing to learn. let's learn how to make a film right you know that's a thing let's learn how camera motion what camera motion means but um, but they didn't feel that way but but now I feel like We've all been in this, like, we're living in film school to a certain extent because we all have this little production studio in our pocket. And so I think over the next 20 years, you're going to see, like, an artistry come out of us collectively mm -hmm. uh, that I think is going to be really fascinating. More and more of us are using these, you know, little studios in our pockets to gain that attention and gain that, gain that fame. Yes. Now. Um, what in, what inspired you for the, the to turn your bits into to cartoons rather than you know uh, be uh, created like this original comic strip idea right. or anything like that passive income um, because I <laughs> <laughs> if you can make it if you can make the bit live online mm -hmm. now I don't have to be there for you to be entertained by it right. and it is a unique although since I've started doing it other people have you know started doing and I, I'm not saying they did it because of me I mean Shorty's watching, watching Shorty's, Shorty's yes I was, was also say that. Yeah. I, I did not have cable at the time but um, yes sir faggot <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Dad. Um, <laughs> Love you, Nate. <laughs> it was too, uh, I because it because I wanted it to separate me from the herd a little bit, mm -hmm. um, and I wanted it to be, um, well, you know, like I say at the shows, I didn't say it tonight, but usually my YouTube channel, I just plug it as something to watch while you poop. Cool. You know, it's it's I it's bite size. Day. It's it's easy. It's you know, I Wait, do the poop or the channel both. Okay. Um, <laughs> but you can you know you can watch them on the treadmill if you got five minutes and you're bored. Most people are looking at their phone, so it's just something you can uh, digest and uh, and I, I hopefully it's a little more creative. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully again it's a little value added. It's something to make me stand out a little bit. And the fact that I'm a one man band, I, I don't know if people care or not. Right. But there's not ten guys. It's not one guy doing backdrops, one guy doing you know audio syncing, one guy doing drawing. It's me. Right. I do the whole thing, and I just redesigned. Written and directed by Spencer Dobson. Yeah, yeah. Produced just by, by Spencer, Spencer Dobson. And if there's a guitar part, <laughs> that is also by Spencer Dobson. Um, I just redesigned my character to make him a little more minimalistic and a little more. Um, I guess is is a little is a little more exaggerated. Do, um, do you remember that show, um, Kablam? On Nickelodeon, I know it exists. I didn't watch it. Nickelodeon was a little after Name my time. After your time, yeah, that's right. You're a thousand years old. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that the animation style reminded mm -hmm. me of one of the shorts in the Kablam. I can't remember her name, and and my wife is going to my wife is going to be yelling mm -hmm. when she's listening at this podcast. It's like Annie Anaconda or something okay. like that, and uh, just they took these old yearbook pictures and basically animated it the way you Oh, that's so cool. It. Yeah. yeah. And, and, um, but yours is all, all drawings. Yeah. Um, what would you say your animation style is like or similar to? Oh, God. I don't even know. I mean, I remember watching the documentary about how they make South Park and being like, oh, you draw ten mouths and then you just keep switching the mouths. You put them in a folder. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, and they were literally 
doing stop motion. The first South Some, Park yep, is, a, is a cardboard. It's a uh, construction, construction paper. paper cutout, and they're just switching the mouths. But it's it's that one frame. Yeah, yeah, but I but fortunately, you know, you've got these things called bones, so you can. I do frame by frame and um, bone animation, which means I can either draw one hand in this position, one hand in this position, one hand in this position, or I can and he's make opening it, his fist. Yes, for I'm our opening <laughs> my opening my fist, or I can draw a digital skeleton uh -huh. and draw a picture of an arm mm -hmm. and a picture of a hand and glue those to that skeleton and then move them like puppets. So I try to I try to meld those two styles together mm -hmm. so that it's faster but still looks cool. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look too stiff and, and cookie cuttery. Uh, I would call my style, I'm inventing that name right now, Gorilla Fart Extravaganza okay. animation style. <laughs> that's that's what it's called. Gorilla and not Dobsonism or or That's a little narcissistic <laughs> for me. I think we've all learned the, I think we've all learned the downside of putting your name on buildings. That's true, right? In, in this day and age. Yeah, I don't wanna I don't want you to mistake me for that. No, I it, it's really cool because Thank uh, you. I uh, I mean, I follow you on Twitter, Facebook, uh, MySpace, probably at all, uh, Instagram, and I know that your shorts will come up on, on Instagram, and, and I, I love watching. Thank you. Well, and I created a unique uh, a character that wasn't reliant on stand-up named Clutch, to, yep. who's kind of like a, oh, we're going we're gonna to get some pizza, it's going to be a nice mm -hmm. day, yep. and uh, there's the sun shining outside, I, I pooped a little. Um, and it's just kind of, a, he's like a little bit of a redneck character. And, and he's narrating his life. And it's just a vlog. It's a yeah. kid, and he's standing in front of the house I lived in in high school in Omaha in a oh, cul-de-sac. Cool. Um, yeah, and theirs is like a little more dilapidated duplex. Mm -hmm. um, and again, we nominated a, 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 a game show host for president, so we're all a little bit redneck now. <laughs> and that's, that's whether you like it or not. I was wondering that's why the I voice like shirts without sleeves now. Because we're all <laughs> so a little, little bit, oh. no matter what you do. <laughs> I've always... I, Ever since he became president, I've always I just wanted to get an American bald eagle <laughs> right. tattooed and on a, my back and a Corvette. <laughs> yeah, no, I want the bald eagle driving the Corvette. Right, so. right, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so, is there a little bit of truth in, in your in your clutch character? I mean, is, is I, that I think is he's that you I think or? he's what would have happened with one less move. If okay. I if I had stood still uh, and not gone to a different place, yeah, I think I'm, and and I think I like him. I think he's a product of his environment. Mm -hmm. uh, I consciously, he's not a racist, he's not a sexist, but he right. is like trying to cut through the ether and trying to make sense of the world around him. Mm -hmm. And so it's a lot of stuff about you know the products that they have at gas stations, and mm -hmm. it's uh, the one of the first ones was about, and actually the guy. People weren't at the show. I have a bit about a kid I found in an alley. Yes, And yes. their family has an above-ground pool. And he's got this rant about, <laughs> I'm not here to judge your above-ground pool. I'm here to applaud you. <laughs> so it's stuff like that. Babies are gross. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's really cool because, uh, you know, part of this podcast is really to showcase these 
talents and these mm-hmm. things that we have that that draw attention to ourselves. I mean, yeah. we're, we're we're both in the entertainment field. Yeah. You know, we we do these types of things, um, and you've gotten acclaim for your yeah. your animation. Yeah, I just I have a bit called Drunk Girlfriend that is a painfully true story about dating this girl, yeah, sure. uh, and she was she was really really cute, and I was probably. 44 and she was about 24 and when a hot 24 year old likes you at 44 if you're single and sober and sane legally I have to hook up with her or the other men in my age will stone me to death with bricks because <laughs> unless I win the lottery that girl is not going to care that I exist for much longer so right. don't squander it um, and the long story short is she just really liked to drink um, yeah. and so that's cute for a minute but then it becomes a handful and I won't do the whole bit you can look it up but um, so the third day to take her home, and she is eating too many jello shots. She's in no condition to do anything. I just drop her into bed, and, and I'm like, I'm going to go home. And she's mm-hmm. like, stay. And, and I'm like, I should go home. But she's like, hang on. I'm like, boobs. All right, I'll stay. <laughs> and so I get in bed fully dressed, and at 4 o'clock in the morning, I wake up, and I'm like, oh, no, I wet the bed. And then you go on an emotional roller coaster. Oh, she wet she the, went bed. the bed. <laughs> oh, God damn it, she wet the bed. <laughs> And so I animated I, I didn't story. want children for a reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, and it's a whole big thing, and there's a lot of writing. And pre- but so I, I did a, I did a cartoon about it, and I entered in this thing called the World Comedy Network, excuse me, Film Festival. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had that in Vegas. And I flew out for the festival, and yep. they had a scheduling problem on the first day. So right out of the shoot, the projector broke down at one of the venues, so now nobody knows when their films are gonna be shown and they're having it in this, it's a very nice coffee shop with to die for croissants and really good coffee, but the filmmakers are mad and people are mad and it's disorganized and I got like, to watch- Fuck it, I'm in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I saw some amazing movies with four people that should have been, I should have seen it with 50 people. There should have right. been people there because there's some great stuff. Um, and I did, you know, like I just dicked around in Vegas and, and whatever. And then there, by the time I found out I won, I was already like, I am not taking a lift all the way down there for this to be weird and uncomfortable. And <laughs> I would have got a trophy. They said they're going to send it to me. I haven't got it. But at the same time, I'm like, this was ridiculous. And, and they're getting hate letters. But I'm like, I'll take the win. I don't give a shit. Right. I won. So there. Hey, it counts. Hey, yeah, ex- that, that's exactly it. Uh-huh. Uh, that, that's really cool. And I, I'm proud of you. And, and it was a fun, you. weird trip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So while you were out there, uh, were you able to showcase any of your stand-up uh, during that time? It is not or, a place where you stage? show up and, 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 and get... You, nobody gets a guest set in Vegas. Because right. if you're working in Vegas, you've jumped through many, many hoops. And it's one of the sh- yep. few places left that are doing shows seven nights a week. Right. And that pays well. And on the off chance that you're funnier than the guy that got you the guest set, there's I did I did not bother because that would be like, hey, I know uh, it's your honeymoon and you guys are having sex, but do you think I could touch your boobs real quick? Right. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you just you just don't do it. Yeah, good times. Uh, so that that's awesome. Tell me about uh, getting into getting into comedy. Where, where, where did you start? Um, how long back uh, in your thousand years of well what happened was um, I'm from a town called Boston North Dakota uh-huh. and we had a, my dad was an avid collector of comedy albums okay. so we had the Steve Martin Wild and Crazy Guy which if you've never heard I think it holds up it definitely influenced everything that came after it and I realized you know Bill Cosby is difficult for me because Bill Cosby were my bedtime stories literally I would listen to him every night and he taught me a lot about comedy and he taught me a lot about writing and it doesn't excuse anything he did but you know the guy really changed the world Mm -hmm. literally so for me that was a tough one um 
And well, let, let, let's sure. stay on that because, <coughs> pardon me, because Stu brought um, Cosby up as mm-hmm. well because Stu hadn't uh, seen Cosby until like 10 years ago or You're something. You're kidding. Like that. How's that even yeah, possible? So, yeah. Well, I mean, he'd heard, he's heard his albums and things right. like that, but he he saw him live in Michigan. Okay. Oh, okay. You know, so he got to see him. Okay. Like, I see what you're shit. saying. People showed up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cosby, people loved Bill Cosby. Cosby. You know, so, you know, knowing all of that stuff that, that has right. happened and him being obviously an influence yeah. in, in your comedy as yeah. well as in comedy in general, yeah. how are you feeling about it? It breaks my heart. I mean... He should go to jail. It's not right. okay. You can't do that. You know, what's ironic, right before this happened, I used to do a podcast myself, and I was talking to this comedian, and I don't remember how Cosby came up, but I remember being like, you know, he was a guy, he was an African-American who broke a lot mm-hmm. of ground at a time when African-Americans weren't the leading guy on TV shows, when, right. le- when African-Americans weren't getting their own cartoons, and he must have put up with a lot of under their breath stuff from you know the staff the crew the network i'm sure said a lot of like not okay things things that you know i'm sure he heard the n-word either aggressively or whispered to him or and and he gracefully walked through a bunch of stuff and i remember saying i wonder how that manifests itself Turns out, <laughs> well, <laughs> you drug and rape people. Oh my goodness! So, but but you know, it's one of these things too where it's like, it's it's not okay. We have to deal with it. Right. But if you have a favorite chair and the guy that put the legs on that chair on the lathe, if it turns out he's an asshole, do you still like that chair? Right. You know what I mean? But because he's in entertainment, it's a much heavier duty thing. So uh, how are you? Yes, please. So, how are you feeling about you know? Beautiful. Can I have some silver too? <laughs> We're at a pizza joint, oh, okay. everybody. Um, how are you feeling about you know? Can you go back and listen to his his comedy and go? I don't. And, and I didn't respect burn. the comedy, or it is is it just now lost because of? Well, I didn't throw. I, I know some people threw away all their stuff. I didn't throw away all my stuff. Um, out of respect, but I don't. I don't put it on. I haven't really engaged with it in a long time. Mm-hmm. And I feel it'll be interesting to see how time, you know, I think after his death, um, which isn't going to be that far down the road, I think right. I think there are going to be people that are able to put him in a context. Um, so they're going to be able to separate uh, I, I think like, in, I think like in Michael time, Jackson from his music too. I his. think in time they will separate the man from the <laughs> art. Yeah. And Michael Jackson kind of gets a pass, doesn't he? Yeah. It, it, and what it, Michael Jackson does is also, thank you, not okay. I'm going to really quick run and grab a fork. Yep. So, at a pizza joint, we're having a little bit of fun here, guys. So, we're just enjoying ourselves. Um, but, you know, I think it's, we're going to we're gonna come to terms with how we. Um, you can take that. It, it is, my, my, my <laughs> lovely wife got me a. Um, one of those you lost your key things. Yep. Because I got her two of them because we spent you used to spend a lot of our life looking for her keys. <laughs> totally fine. These things happen, um, and I don't lose my keys, but it's nice to have it just in case because mm-hmm. these things come up. And um, she, um, and the only time I ever use it is it accidentally goes off in my pocket. Mm-hmm. So, what are you gonna do? Yeah. But um, yeah, I'll be interested to see how time. I mean, Bill Cosby's never living that down. Right. Never. It's never going away. 
Um, he's in prison. Yeah. He, um, you know, they say that Genghis Khan made so many babies that he altered the temperature of the earth. Right. And I think Bill Cosby's comedy empire tectonically shifted the America's views on race. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, almost as much as, at least for me as a white kid from North Dakota, if it wasn't for Bill Cosby, I would probably be a racist. Wow. Okay. Just because, because, of course you would. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and, and, and But it also, 70s television had a lot to do with it. I grew up, you know, Good Times and the Jeffersons and the Jackson 5. And, I mean, but also, like, I read Malcolm X's autobiography in high school. Right. Um, but, but he always, like, he... And I know there's kind of mixed feelings about this, but as a white guy from the Midwest, he introduced a lot of people to a smart, normal African-American guy who was just a guy. Right. And not a, you know, and a lot of the other images weren't that. And I get why people are like, you know, the whole pull your pants up thing. I understand why people are mad about it. I understand why they kind of feel like he sold them out a little bit. I mm-hmm. feel like he cozied up to a lot of conservatives. I get all of that, and it's valid. But I also got to say, he certainly put me on a path that led to Public Enemy, that led to Malcolm X, that mm-hmm. led to just being a human being and right. being able to treat people like human beings. Because I came from a place, I didn't meet an African American until I was seven. Okay, wow. In, in wow. the flesh. And it was, I used to do a bit about it. You know, I used to treat, you know, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's okay. In my mind, all black people were television stars. And I don't think that's okay to put that on people. <laughs> well, I mean, that's... Some people were bankers. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that it's really interesting, uh, you know, to hear that is you don't really understand uh, just how much comedy can shape mm-hmm. one's, I don't want to call it intuition, but one's mm-hmm. perspective mm-hmm. on human Mm-hmm. Relevance and human nature. Right. Um, and again, this guy also did a mountain of charity work. Yeah, absolutely. But again, that does not change. Doesn't make up for it. it. it exactly. It doesn't make up. And he, he, he needs to, to serve his time. He needs to be punished right. for it. Yeah, absolutely. And you saw, you saw Chappelle's bit about it? Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, it, was it on? Uh, it was on his. That last bunch. That sh- like three of them came out in one day because right. he's Dave Chappelle. Right, right. I saw. I saw one of them, and then when he released the one with the, he released the two of them, mm-hmm. I was like, maybe 20 minutes into that second one, and I was just like, I don't know. I'm like, I think I'm kind of Chappelle out at well, the moment. Well, the, I the, felt like I got oversaturated with Chappelle in, in like a day. Well, the way he frames it is, um, he's a superhero, mm-hmm. but he rapes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That is a good point. He's got his cape on while he does it. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's rough. <laughs> and um, I don't know. I, I, we'll move forward. You know, um, well, it was as, as, and like I said in the show, I mean, men and we need to renegotiate what men and women mm-hmm. can do. My wife was watching a show called Single Mothers yesterday. That's also on Netflix. Yeah, and it made me so happy because they showed the women as creeps. You know, like this woman was like because really. Because women are, they yeah, can be. Oh my god! This goodness. woman was super sexually harassing one of her coworkers, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Look, you're supposed to hit on me. I'm supposed to turn your da- turn you down, and then you're supposed to overpower my objections." And I'm like, "Thank <laughs> you, thank you for saying that, lady." Because for me, it's always like, "What? I don't, you know, 
we live in a time where we have to respect everybody and you don't want to be a stalker but but there and 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 no means no but also sometimes it sometimes women get mad when they go why'd you quit and they go well because you said no no, yeah but I didn't mean no well fucking have a meeting and figure out what the new terms are asshole (laughs) you can't you can't have both you can't have nobody can stalk me and chase me simultaneously right so you have to either get rid of the concept that if you say yes to the first ask that you're a slut Mm -hmm. or you have to be okay with the fact that guys are going to show up at your work and buy you know cups of coffee they don't want or, right. or whatever, or stop by your law firm and talk to you for three hours about the, 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 the property line of their house so that they can finally ask you if you want to finish this over lunch. Right. Or, or what, you know what I mean? We, we need to figure out the terms. That's one of the things I like about online dating is nobody is on OkCupid to not meet people. Right. If, you were, if you're hitting on people at a bar, they might have just come from a wake you know, they're, they're all crying because Aunt Brenda got hit by a truck. And you're like, <laughs> hey, I like your shirt. What do you, you well, you cry good. What's, uh, what's your. You cry good. <laughs> That's, you play you know, Fortnite? I play Fortnite. I play Fortnite. Well, I mean, so thinking about all of that, mm-hmm. does Louis C.K. make a comeback? I'm, I'm going to agree with. Um, What's the guy's name? Um, it's not my job. <laughs> right. To answer about Louis C.K. Um, we'll find out. Okay. I, I, hey, I like that answer. I like I, that answer. You know, again, speaking of people that changed the world, tectonically right. shifted. Yeah. And there's a lot of, I'd, I'd really like, like there's never going to be a symposium where everybody sits down, like all the players sit down and go, let's let's talk about this mm-hmm. on a live stream and really find out exactly what happened. <laughs> right. Um, but I'd like there to be. Yeah. You know. Um, and I, you know, I wasn't there. I've heard so many versions of things, and sometimes, you know, the version of him is so much worse, and sometimes the version of him is like, eh, not so much. Like it was just kind of a weird, uncomfortable thing he did. Yeah. Um, it is what it is. He is coming back, whether people like it or not. Right. Um, so I don't have to. It's not my call. Right. No. And that's, I think people need to remember that about a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen what, no matter what I think. And I'm, I'm also not throwing myself on a on a on a pedestal or anything. Or I'm like also that. not impaling myself. Right. To uh, to make well, this I call mean, for you. It's two sides of the spectrum as well. I mean, you've got one with Bill Cosby being actually in prison. Yeah, and, well, and but Bill Cosby's worse than Louis. Well, well, they're yes, not the same thing. Right, right. And what 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 was Louis reprimanded for? What what was his punishment other than you know losing his show millions and millions and millions and, millions and, millions and, millions and being and, and being um, um, kind of put adrift on an iceberg. Right. It's just like uh, prison reform. You know, you go, it, you you get released. It's you're back out into the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you were a mechanic then. You probably are going to go and try and get be a mechanic yeah. again, right? Yeah. And the idea that he wasn't, pun- I don't, I don't buy the idea that he wasn't punished. I don't, I don't agree with that at all. I mean, okay. he clearly was punished. He lost. You, you and I have never had millions of dollars, and we've certainly never had them ripped out of our yeah. hands in one day. <laughs> and we've never had a little production empire get completely destroyed. Right. And we didn't. Louis C.K. is a guy that built up this industry and made people give a shit about comedy at a time when people, 
and you can again he is in, in, in the, the only similarity to Cosby I would say is that you can see his thumbprints on everything and even people who don't like to talk about him still mm-hmm. have to reference him because he dramatically altered the world of comedy mm-hmm. so fucking much um but uh I was like hearing uh you know uh, uh, comics on the outside right uh, you know their opinions on all of that and, and so forth but Going back to you know having this collection of re- your dad having this collection of mm-hmm. comedy records mm. and, and how it built your little mm. comedy. Oh yeah, well I mean it was just it's the classic story you know my dad's in the kitchen with his buddies having a couple of beers and mm-hmm. I come in and go I'm a wild and crazy guy and they laugh <laughs> and you go this is great <laughs> and my friends and my family we always quoted Caddyshack and, mm-hmm. and, and Animal House and. Cosby records and Steve Martin records and that's Stephen Wright so records, crazy that you and that's say how that. we talk to each other. You know, that's mm-hmm. how we bond. I think I don't think my brother even realizes he's quoting Caddyshack now, and it's still like a huge part of his vocabulary. But it's been there for so long, I don't know if he remembers where it came from. Um, wow, you, that's, uh, when I said that's funny, you say that is that. You know what? That was kind of the same thing. Is that I coming going to school, coming home from school? I'm mm-hmm. quoting Ace Ventura. You know, right. I'm quoting Robin Williams, Mrs. Doubtfire, right. and you know the genie. Right. You know, th- th- those were my comedy yeah. idols. Yeah. You know, I yeah, I know Steve Martin. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Uh, well, my, and my George brother Carlin is like. Yeah, so I got that. I got that going for me. So that's nice. Which is the Bill Murray <laughs> Dalai yep. Lama speech. Yeah, Lama. You know, that whole thing. <laughs> so. Uh, so you're doing that that built so comedy that was, for as you as a kid or? that was a firm foundation as a mm-hmm. kid we had HBO so I watched all the Richard Pryor mm-hmm. stuff all the Robin Williams stuff um, and you know like uh, Eddie Murphy Delirious was an event <laughs> comedy was an event and I saw Gallagher open for Kenny Rogers when I was like 14 wow and but it was one of those things zone yeah, sorry. We were we were in the cheap seats, um, <laughs> but it was one of those things that I didn't know you actually did, and so I was in. I went to school for radio. Was it something uh, when when you say that where you're thinking like real oh, people don't do comedy. comedy? Yeah, this is just they probably work in a restaurant on the side. No, 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 like no, no, no like I don't know any human beings that do that. Oh, okay, all right, my apologies. That's not an actual thing that one could actually do. Right. Okay. And like. Um, you know, to me, like New York, when I was a kid, a lot of culture came out of New York, and it's mm-hmm. a mythical place that you know was a million. It could have been on the moon, as far as I was <laughs> concerned. You know what I mean? It was that far away. So I, I got a job working in Colorado uh, in a radio station mm-hmm. after I went to school for radio, and uh, I would watch the MTV Half Hour Comedy Hour every day during my shift. Holy shit! Yeah, and I, I just hated that. radio, and I hated being in a small town, and I'm j- I just don't blend well in general. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a couple of things went down that were screwed up, and I, I met this woman uh, that I had known before I got there. We re- reconnected. And this is in Colorado? This was in Montrose, Colorado, okay. and I'm like, I'm going to move to Minneapolis, and I will be with this woman, and I will start doing comedy. So I started writing stand-up in Colorado, and then that relationship didn't work out because we were young people who didn't have really good people skills, and we mm-hmm. both had some chemical issues, and there was a lot going on there, and I hope she's doing well. Um you know, and I hope she learned some people skills too. And uh, um, but I went to an open mic, and the first, and, I, and it, I did improv for about a year before that, to kind of build up my courage and to get an idea of what I was doing. And I will props to Stevie Ray, 
of, of Stevie Ray's co comedy club in um, Minneapolis. He said, don't ever drink before you go on stage. Oh, and I yeah. just listened to yep. him. And it never became part of my pre-show warm-up, you know? Um, and I'm lucky because some I, later, before I quit drinking, I would drink on stage during the show. Mm -hmm. But I never had to learn how to... And I'm jumping ahead. Um, first time I went up... We'll on get into that. Yeah, <laughs> so. First, so, so the first time I go up, I had prepared and prepared and prepared. And I had a joke about, like... They were talking about getting skills in the. There was a commercial where you're like, join the military, you'll get skills for life. But sounds were, like Scientology. There, there weren't <laughs> any jobs in the '90s, so I'm like, oh, like I'll be working at Burger King and right. like give me a snowplow to go to McDonald's and take out the, the drive-through window or something like that. And I don't remember exactly <laughs> what the joke was. It was better. The writing was better than that, but that was the gist of it. And I crushed. I went up and just demolished. And I was like an out first of body, time, first time out of body experience. I cannot believe this works. I can't believe I'm doing it. I can't believe I'm succeeding. And the next time I was a little less funny and then a little less funny and then and then I just tanked. Mm -hmm. But that I had the bug. Have you heard the Brian Regan bit? Which one? About how he got into stand-up? Mm -mm. Is that the first time he ever went and did stand-up, he got up on stage and he forgot everything he was going to say. And so all he was doing was just talking about how big of an idiot he was wow. that I forgot and he's like that's what created that mm -hmm. do you open it like this mm -hmm. <laughs> type, mm -hmm. type of thing so uh, that's my best Brian Regan impression <laughs> but not bad take a look <laughs> oh I love Brian Regan we used to watch him that was a great thing about Minneapolis in the 90s you know I got to see Brian Regan when I, was, I got to work with Brian Regan when I was coming up oh, that's cool and he um you know, we would go watch him five nights mm -hmm. a week, if possible. And uh, it was just a great school. Um, so, yeah, I started... Um, I got work kind of early on because there were there were headliners at the time that didn't want to work too hard. Right. And so they would take really green comics with cars. And, you know, I'd drive to the middle of Kansas and bomb horribly. And then they'd look like geniuses. And yep. then they'd make you stop and buy uh, uh, scratch tickets at every gas station and stand at the gas station and do them, which was really annoying. Um, <laughs> but that's how you do it, and and a good hard bombing really teaches you a lot. Right. So when you're starting up, when did you? I, I guess I haven't really asked this question before, so please jump in and say that's a dumbass question, Casey. Um, when did you realize that you had to create your own and be original? Oh, always. Always. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Like you know, because sometimes you see those comics who come up and you're like that's Bill Hick mm -hmm. you know that's well don't get me wrong comics are all mimics yep and so there were periods where like you'll get a little Stanhope inflection mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and there are periods where you'll just you'll wear your influences on your sleeve and yep. you might not know you're doing it like a best example I can give of this is uh, when I was living in LA Mitch Hedberg came through and did a bunch of shows and you go to open mic before Hedberg and everybody sounds like themselves and you go to open mic after Hedberg and everybody's like, so, two guys went into a bar and one <laughs> of the guys was like, hey, you know, it's like right. everybody Hedberged. And right. I don't think they knew they did it. So I've certainly... Because Hed Hedberg crushed it and you're like, oh, that is what they want. Well, and, his, and his, the way he talks, I don't think it was a conscious choice. I right. think the way he talks is so infectious mm -hmm. that you start talking like that without trying it. And it's... 
you know, I think that's far more common than people consciously going, I'm going to do such and such. Wow, okay. But you do need to get it pointed out to you when you do it. And that's why I don't listen to a ton of comedy. Okay. Because my ear, you know what I mean? Like yes. it gets in there and then it just, you start to have, you start to sound like somebody. Like I was, um, oh man, a couple years ago I was heavily listening to a lot of Mike Birbiglia. And I mm-hmm. said, you know what? I want to try being a storyteller. I'm mm-hmm. like, let, let me try and do that. Let me try and do something different and challenge myself create, uh, creatively. And I felt myself going on stage and mm-hmm. then going that I know mm-hmm. I was there also, you mm-hmm. know, and I'm like, oh, no, I'm yeah. doing I'm doing Berbiglia. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't do Berbiglia. I'm mm-hmm. like, how do I make this? How do I make it my own where I can still, exactly. still be that, that storyteller? Totally so, yeah, I mean, it, it, I always it, that's something I, I've been meaning to ask a lot of people is mm-hmm. like, when did you realize that you you gotta be original. You gotta mm-hmm. be. You gotta be Spencer. You gotta be Casey. You know. You be Nathan. And hopefully you'll stick around long enough that you hear somebody that did you, and then you go, "Yeah, that's yeah. Awesome. <laughs> of course you did. Of course you did. How could you not? <laughs> would you love to see somebody up there? I've seen do somebody do me. It's really? great. Oh, I love it. Oh man, I would. Oh, I don't There's know. There's a little. I would feel. I've seen whispers of it. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, that's my pause. <laughs> that's my, that's a Spencer inflection. It's great. Um, do you have any little, when you were first starting out, did you have any little ticks like, oh, that's uh, that's where Spencer doesn't know where he needs to go next or anything like that? Or just little little uh, idiosyncrasies uh, about you and your, your comedy when performing that people went, oh, you know, Spencer, you do this a lot on stage. Like, you do a lot of snapping or something like that. Probably. I, I, um, yeah, gosh, I remember... I don't remember what it was. I know I got it. I mean, it, there's definitely... Would it help the, if I the, shared mine? Well, the, there's or the normal stuff of the of the the butts and the extra ands and the just mm-hmm. the, 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 the words people put in to fill space. Yep. Um, and we... You, we I can't think of what got to be very smart about the words yeah, that we use your, to fill space. Yeah. Uh, mine, I used to do... Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh boy! Like when I wasn't sure where where I was yeah. trying to figure out where yeah. I needed to go next, yeah. like just kind of trying to keep that yep. laugh going a little yep. bit with everybody. Oh boy! Or like <laughs> so, so. <laughs> there's that one. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. Anyway, that so it, it's interesting, you know, just kind of yeah. reflecting on, on the past of coming into comedy. So. Yeah, I've I've gone through a lot of those verbal tics. Um, I probably still have them, but I I don't think as much. Um, what I notice now is you still have to watch the tape because mm-hmm. I will do new bits like that prison I, I have a bit about a, I did a mini tour of these prisons which we'll talk about and, and I started doing the bit like I started putting the bit right up front because it's part of my intro mm-hmm. and I watched a tape and it just there was my stuff when, when my stuff's good it should look spontaneous but it definitely has corners. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to create the illusion that I'm just making it up as I'm going along, but like, it, it's got a nice making it natural. It should seem natural, but it's got you know there's a crispness to it. Yeah. Everything lands. There's not there's not a lot of extra words that don't go anywhere. And I watched it. It was like so like like when you're grasping for the ideas because mm-hmm. you want to do it without notes, but you don't quite know the bit. Yep. And so watching that really helped me tighten it up. A lot. It's good. It was a it was a fantastic bit. Thanks, man. We'll, we'll talk about that here soon. 
So doing get, getting into comedy, being out in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. uh, in Colorado, um, what what was the response from your family? You know, what, what did your mom and dad say? Or, oh, they or weren't actually, what was the support? You know, my mom was always like, do whatever, whatever you dream kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it was also like, <clears throat> there's there's a nuts and bolts to this that I don't think you understand. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think my parents were both supportive of it. But but there's a difference between going like, hey, do whatever you want. And like, you this is going to be hard. Um, this is going to take a lot of work. Um, we're done parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, but like when I moved out to L.A., my mom was like, if you have a problem, call me. Right. And let me know and we'll fix it. And that was one of the reasons I moved. And then I did have a problem, and she was like, hey, that's something. <laughs> but they were also, you know, I think there's a point where if you don't have any show business experience or people with it, I think we all bring unrealistic expectations to it. And so that makes it difficult to guide someone or to tell them, or, or to be, you know, a parent or a mentor mm-hmm. in that circumstance. And, and, and you're dealing with, you know, as you're as a young comic, you're like, I'll probably be a bajillionaire right. tomorrow. Yeah, I'm still and waiting. So, like when I got Aspen, I think both of my parents were the HBO Comedy Arts Festival. Yep. I think both of my parents were like, All right, let's start Porsche shopping, you know. <laughs> and it was just a harder road, you know. And then and then I, you know, LA became very difficult all of a sudden, and um, nobody knows how to act, and uh, things could have been done differently. But what are you gonna do? Right. Wow. And- it's very insightful. I, it, I, what's really interesting is that as this podcast has progressed, it's, I feel like every single comic or every individual, mm-hmm. uh, whether they do comedy or not, has just brought something to this table that I, I just keep getting floored. And I'm like, wow, I don't know where to go from here mm-hmm. <laughs> with it. But um, Well, with my, my family, so like if I would play Omaha, uh-huh. my mom would totally bring her friends. That was nice. And, and I... You know, I've had a couple of family members who did first dates at my shows that I ended up getting married, so I'm Aww. like a good luck charm, and, good. and we're funny, obnoxious people. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like I was out of the wheelhouse. Like, mm-hmm. when you sat around our kitchen table, both kitchen tables, my parents got divorced, but my dad's family is hilarious. My mom's husband and his kids, like, we would sit around and just one-up each mm-hmm. other constantly. I, it was no holds barred. The gloves were off. So My stepdad like, just got funny, like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it wasn't like so. It wasn't like I'm, you know, I'm totally scandalizing the family with any of this, right? And I was working a lot, and they expected <clears throat> to be hard, you know. Um, but I, I didn't also, you know, when you're 20, you don't know how to say I'm using alcohol as a coping skill because mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I, I just need to learn how to sleep better and eat better and mm-hmm. take care of my money better and say no better and ask, you know make sure I'm getting paid properly and, you know, have the, the you know, uh, who knows how to communicate any of that stuff. Right. And they're not around. Especially at 20. I'm an adult. They're not around. Yeah. They don't know what's going on. Yeah. I, I can do my own shit. Mm-hmm. So uh, alcohol was a, was a coping, coping mechanism. Holy buckets. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are people from North Dakota that aren't alcoholics, but. <laughs> what? But, I mean, it really is Midwestern culture. Well, I used to think it was Midwestern culture. Culture likes to drink. Mm-hmm. And our culture likes to drink. Yes. And we have hard winters. And you stay inside. Mm-hmm. And you uh, crack open some beers. And that's how people communicate. And that's how people bond. Um, I don't think... 
especially people from the northern climates, you know how we're supposed to be very stoic and very repressed? I think it's because if, especially before electricity, mm-hmm. if you got in a fight with your wife and it's 20 below, and she comes after you with a rolling pin and you have to sleep in the barn, you're going to die. So <laughs> your best choice is to shut the fuck up. Right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so it just... Um, for me, it was just a really, and I'm from, you know, I'm from a really, really small town. So mm-hmm. it was like, how do people, uh, what do people do? Well, they drink. They love it. Yeah. And people really like it. And when you're at a bar, you know where you're supposed to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. And, you know, it just escalated over time. And I, it's, like with anything else, sometimes you will turn a corner mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, no, no going back after that. You right. are, You broke it. Right. Sorry, buddy. Now you get to learn some new skills. Yeah. And thank God. And it, it it has made me a better husband. It made me a better son. It made me a better caretaker. It makes me a better comic. It makes me a better person. Mm-hmm. No regrets about that whatsoever. But the ride was a little bumpy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I apologize if, I'm get, if I get too personal. Not at all. Did it, did I do not seem to be uh, shy about <laughs> this, so go right ahead. Did it, did it lead to uh, other sorts of substance abuse? Uh, not really. I mean... Oh, that's good. It could have, but I'm lazy, and I don't like people. <laughs> no. Uh, like, alcohol is fine. I got this going for me. Well, I it's, every, add it's everywhere. I don't have to pet your ferret. <laughs> I don't have to... I don't have to meet anybody in a weird alley. I don't have to know the handshake. I can just... Here's ten bucks. Thank you. I'll have a... And I got my fix. You know, right. and, and I smoked a lot of cigarettes. <clears throat> Pot was around, but, like... I'm one of those people that gets paranoid when they smoke pot. Okay. So the last time I smoked pot was in Bemidji, Minnesota. We had just done a show and it was super fun and the headliner and I split a joint and then I had to call him in full panic attack. Like, do people like me? Does anybody like me? <laughs> Seriously. I was like, I'm never doing this it, again. You don't this seem is. like you don't seem like the person that would do that normally, so that that's interesting. It really it turns up the inner insecurity in me so loud. Mm-hmm. Um, I dated a girl for a while and we would smoke I hit off of a joint and then get in bed, light some candles, have sex, and go to sleep. Mm-hmm. That worked out great. Right. Otherwise, it always just made me really ref- like. I, I would turn in, and it it was never. It just made all the insecurity very very loud. Oh man! And there's people that love pot. I've always been jealous yeah. of people that are like, oh, I smoke pot. And I'm just the best. I'm like, that's never. Well, happened I, to me. I don't. I don't smoke. I don't smoke pot. But mm-hmm. uh, when I have done it. It, it gives me the opposite effect. I just get completely chill and mm-hmm. relaxed. Like the last time was literally, um, oh, my parents listen to this podcast. <laughs> uh, uh, it was a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, we're in the garage and I, I just took this huge hit. And as I was talking, all of a sudden I went, <sighs> and my buddy looked at me, he's like, what kind of baggage have you been carrying for a right. while? Because you literally, like, he's like, right. I could see everything drop. I'm like, right. I just feel really good now. I'm like, yeah. I want to go sleep. I had the best fucking night's sleep I've ever had. Yeah. You know, that that's what it does for me. Yeah. But, um, you know, If it did that for me, I would do it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm like, that's why I'm like, please, let's, let's get this legalized. I'm like, let me get my, let me get my prescription. Mm-hmm. I won't be an insomniac anymore. Maybe it'll lower my anxiety that I have. Um, well, I mean, <clears throat> here's the thing. Legalize it because this is fucking silly. Yes. It, it does not do anywhere near the harm that alcohol does. And yep. we love alcohol. Um, 
<laughs> we're finding a, we're putting a lot of energy into this fight that is mm-hmm. stupid. And and also, and somebody else, I just heard this again on, on a podcast, it's legal in Amsterdam, and if you're from Amsterdam, you're like, we don't give a shit about pot. Grow yeah. up. Just take it off the table. Yeah. But I think people better, I think people profit from the fight. Yeah. And that's why. Absolutely. I completely agree. Um, so you never got to do anything harder than that? or Oh, no, I've done hard drugs. Okay. I've done plenty Fun. of them. They just didn't get their hooks in me. Right. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah, it, same here. I'm, I'm sure three like, more tries. And <laughs> I think I've done everything but cocaine once. And so, oh. Well, except meth. Meth, meth and, and I never, all that one stuff. Meth, um, my... I, I don't want to tell you who it was, but yeah, I had I had a friend who like got into meth right um, like after we parted ways. And oh, I was like, geez. dude, you can't be a vegan and a cokehead and a meth head because <laughs> you gotta have a sandwich in there somewhere. <laughs> what, what, what do you eat? Yeah, thing, yeah, right? you're so skinny, dude. It's really, really upsetting. So, <clears throat> where in where in your your comedy time frame uh, did you meet uh, your now wife? Uh, we met about, it's going to be five years, Congrats. four or five years ago. Well, what happened was I moved home, um, in 2007. My mom had breast cancer. My mom got diagnosed with breast cancer the same day Mitch Hedberg died. Oh. Well, we're, it's great. I, I remember where I was when I found out Mitch Hedberg mm-hmm. died. Was in my high school cafeteria. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't that day. It was like that week. Like it was oh. one, two. And so, wow. in 2007, um, I was working in post-production, and my unemployment kept not coming through. Like, you'd, do, you'd work on a pilot. Yep. You'd get paid. You'd build a little war chest, and yep. then that show would end, and then you'd wait for the next one. And you're supposed to get an unemployment check, and mine never, the whole time I was there, it never worked out. So, I'm broke, and I call my mom, and she's like, look, you know, I just had this mastectomy, and maybe you should go back to college, and we should work this out. And I came back, and I got a degree oh good for you and like clockwork like I finished the degree three months later her cancer's back and it's pissed and so it was nine months of intensive she passed away at home which was her wishes and I was a primary caregiver so it was super draining yeah and super hard and when people have cancer they're not always on their best behavior and you get to go you're my mom I love you you can do whatever you want yep let everything float away her mother um obviously raised her because it was her mother and she was in her 90s and her only child had died and nobody in their 90s should see their only child child die Um, so I and and she my grandma was the best and I loved her and she needed me so I hung around and took care of her and she was it was a situation like you know she's like a depression kid like a kid who was raised in the depression Mm -hmm. so you'd be like okay grandma you don't have any food in the fridge Um, tell me what you want and I'll go to the store and get it well what do you want well, I'm gonna. You're gonna give me a list of food that you would like to eat, and I will buy it for. Well, what do you think I should get? And then so it's like hot dogs and ramen noodles, Grandma. An, an hour of that, you know, just and you just try and find stuff that you'll eat. Right. Um, and it was great. And it's my grandma's fine. So she passed away, and I was gonna move to a city, um, but I've moved alone before, mm-hmm. and boy, it's good to have somebody watching your back. Boy, it's good to trust one person. It's good to have somebody that you know, you know, so that we can stand here and go, well, what do you think about Casey? Well, I think Casey, she seems okay. You yeah. know what I mean? It makes a big difference. And so I was I'm getting ready. I'm glad you think that way. About <laughs> <laughs> I was getting ready to give up on, uh, on OkCupid, and I met someone who was dating someone, 
And I'm like, are you dating? Are you not dating? I don't know how to ask. I don't know how to act. And it's that thing we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Am I stalking you? Are you, am I not stalking you? Are you going to be mad if I stop showing up or am I supposed to show? I don't know what to do and I don't know what to say. So I emailed this girl and her response was really funny and we had a really funny exchange and she showed up for breakfast and she was so much cuter than her picture. And it's like, that never happens. Um, And we just clicked. Like we spent the day together and we hit it off really well. And I just was like, I, I clearly don't know how to do this right, but let's act like we want this to work. Mm-hmm. And then if it doesn't, we'll just move on from there. But until then, let's just lean in and try and, and do this. And she's like, all right. That's and, cool. Uh, yeah. And so, OKCupid. Is yeah. that still a thing? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't troll. <laughs> you don't troll? Anyway. Well, I, I either do. I met, my, I went, I met Abby on... Um, on MySpace. Wow. Yeah. That's old yeah. school, buddy. I met her on MySpace. Uh, was her was her profile particularly sparkly? No. Did it have a unicorn? With no. A- my, my wife is extremely, uh, when I say basic, I don't mean <laughs> basic. I mean, right. she keeps it clean mm-hmm. and she doesn't add too much flair to it. Uh, huh? She's just like, this is who I am. It, 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 hers, hers was pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Mine, on the other hand, I think my, uh, I think as a joke, I put uh, my background as a giant picture of Alexis Bledel from Gilmore Girls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rory. Mm-hmm. I'm like, one, I thought she was cute. And then my buddy is like, you should do it. I'm like, okay, I'll do it. And so I just put that on there. Um, and uh, uh, she had sent me a friend request mm-hmm. and the, the story goes I think there's more to it she said her cat walked across her computer my profile came up mm-hmm. and she clicked on it oh wow and so you know quite serendipitous wow, yeah, yeah right um, and uh, I sent her an email like one of those little MySpace messages that just said do I know you from somewhere? Mm-hmm. Like, you look familiar. What was funny is I had just passed through South Dakota okay. uh, doing college shows. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, the... I didn't hook up with this one. <laughs> you know, I didn't hook up with anybody on on this trip. Right. But how, do I, was she at one of the shows? You know, mm-hmm. so I tried to figure that all out. Um, and I had just moved back in with uh, my with my mom mm-hmm. um, at the time, so found her on MySpace. And everybody, all my friends, everything like they're like, "Dude, don't go on the date. She's an axe murderer. Uh-huh. She's an axe murderer." And I mean, look, we're eleven years together, ten years married. I wow. mean, yeah, it, 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 it's been it's been a wild ride. Um, what does what does your wife think of the comedy aspect of it? Are you? I I think. <clears throat> Like everybody else, she would like it to be more profitable. Um, uh-huh. But she also is very like, I understand that you, my wife's an artist. Yep. And so she understands having a creative life. She understands um, sometimes you have to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. She understands it would be great if we could sacrifice less and have more disposable income. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we talk about like, at some point, this will have not come together. You know, at some point you go, okay, we're going to move on. But she's also like, I don't think you should do that yet because you're not ready. And I think you're creating, you know, you're, you're, you're making great stuff and people respond well to it. And so, you know, we're both, neither of us know how to be married. Neither of us know how to 
do what we're doing right first now. First marriages for both of you? Uh, not for me, but for okay. her. But also, like, sorry, <laughs> it's just not. A, it's not. A, there's no template to look at what we're doing. Right. You know what I mean? So we're just we just try and show up and be present, and like, okay, let's. How do we? How do we work this? Mm-hmm. How can we make it? Everybody be okay. And I and I really I, I tend to over communicate a lot because as a younger person I didn't communicate at all mm-hmm. I mean again it's in my act <clears throat> I have the fight in my head and then I go later <laughs> um, so we, we were really good at talking stuff through good for you and working stuff out that's awesome yeah. and that's something that um, you know Abby and I have had to work through in our in our marriage mm-hmm. is that we, we went to to marriage counseling for three years wow because I mean we were we were on the verge I mean it, it, I, I mean, I can still remember standing in our kitchen and her screaming, sometimes I just fucking hate you, mm-hmm. you know, and it stings, it's still mm-hmm. there, <clears throat> but uh, that, that communication has been flourishing mm-hmm. in, in three years, you know, yeah, there's still times where I, I, I get insecure about, you know, the activities, but I try to have been, the conversation <clears throat> before it explodes into that fight. <laughs> And that was the thing is that we weren't doing that. Right. We weren't doing that, and uh, you know things were great. And then we had kids, and then oh sure, well you're you busy, know, man. And, and, and I love my kids most mm-hmm. of the time. Uh, <laughs> no, I, they're great. But you know it was that thing is that there was something that it, that was in our lives that we created that, that just kind of got in the way from us doing what we did before. Mm-hmm. And so over the last. You know, it, geez, it's been about three years since we've gone to a, maybe two years since we've gone to a, a session mm-hmm. that we've been having more and more communication. Like I said, sometimes there's that insecurity, but I just have to go, I'm like, hey, I'm feeling very insecure right, right now. No, that's, an, like, that's amazing. This is why. And I'm like, I know, mm-hmm. here's, here's what I know is that this side of my brain is telling me that I shouldn't be feeling this way, right. but this side of my brain is telling me that I am. And I'm like, I'm, I'm just having a rough moment at mm. the moment, so please just help me out here. That is an amazingly useful tool, though. Yeah. And do you remember, uh, you clearly remember life before that tool. Yeah. And bad decisions are made. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So it, everybody doesn't know how to act. It, it's really cool to see, uh, you know, uh, other spouses with, uh, with comic husbands mm-hmm. or wives or whomever that are saying we have to have this communication we have to share mm-hmm. this i'm going to support you guess what i'm an artist as well mm-hmm. you know that it's really cool mm-hmm. to see um very awesome man. and i wish you guys the best that, thank you man. that's fantastic i'd love to meet your wife i don't think i've met her yet i'd love for you too yeah i think it would be fun she um, is driving across uh iowa tomorrow to pick up uh, some work and move it to minneapolis Okay. Um, so I like my driving more than I like her driving, so that always causes me a little stress. <laughs> I like my driving more than I like my wife's driving mm-hmm. too. Like I, I, I hate being a passenger. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my, for sure. Uh, my wife and I will like we'll, we drove to the cities recently, so we mm-hmm. did a flight of the Bahamas, and uh, I told her, I'm like, you can go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Like you, if you just sleep, that's fine. I'll mm-hmm. put on a couple of podcasts that I want to listen to. Right. And I'm like, and I know that you'll have no interest in it. Just, just sleep because I know that two hours into this conversation, we're going to be backtracking into another conversation. We've been married for 10 years, yeah. honey. <laughs> Nothing's new. <laughs> I, I have trained myself not to go uh, uh, when she's driving. Like I stop. Uh, 
I do this. Yeah, me too. But <laughs> I put my hands up. But this is literally a conversation we've had. I get to say something if you're running a stop sign. I am not overly. <laughs> do you do uh, the fake break? Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> but like she would, she would blowing through a stop sign, and I'm oh like, stop. <laughs> I I did that like one of the first years, one of our. Uh, first times after we moved in together, we we're just mm-hmm. driving, and I just went. I'm not paying attention. I just blew a stoplight. Mm-hmm. And my wife's like, D- "You just blew a stop." I'm like, "There's no stoplight there." And I looked in the rear, <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'm an idiot. <laughs> Sorry." Like, have you ever had those times where you're just driving, and you're like, "How the fuck did I get home?" Yeah, totally, totally, totally. <laughs> I got, I, I got a ticket that way. I'm just right. like, I'm like yeah. "Oh Jesus, officer!" Well, that's a problem. Is I mean, <laughs> pull wh- over. <laughs> one of the things I love about her and relate to her is that she spaces off in a way that I space off. Mm-hmm. You know, like I get it, but but I'm also like, "Hey, you're driving." <laughs> And I'm not trying to ride your business, but um, you did just pass the turn, and and you don't know where you're going, do you? And she, sometimes she's like, no, I don't, I don't know. I've I just lost in my brain. My wife has lived here, has lived in South Dakota all her life, mm-hmm. and she still doesn't know how to get to certain places in town here. And I'm like, how's that possible? Yeah, I don't know. She's like, I don't know back roads like you do. I'm like, Come on now, you like you've been here fucking ever. Yeah. <laughs> you should know this place. Yeah. I should not know this place better than you. I'm the person that you tell me directions to get there. I drive there once. I know how to get there from now on. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> um, so to, to wrap up, I want to talk about um, because we're at about an, an hour and ten. Okay. So, yeah, I love these conversations, Spencer. Thank you, man. Absolutely. Thanks for being a part of this. Um, I want to talk about uh, this fantastic mini prison tour. <laughs> And just how fucking cool that is. You Johnny cashed it, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So last winter, uh, a guy I know from Open Mic in, in Aberdeen got contacted by the prison. And and we were supposed to do it together. And then he pussed out. Um, he pussed out. Why so would he, you puss out? He was going to do ten, and then I'd do a half. And he's like, oh, I got a thing. Do you? Do you really got a thing? Because it's a prison. Oh, fuck. That would have been so much fun. Right. That's what, that's what people with balls say. <laughs> well, now you know who to call next year. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do it. But So I went up and did the minimum security uh-huh. last winter, and it just crushed. You know, yeah. They're really easy to talk to. They're, you know, they're people that made mistakes, but they're humans. And, yeah. and you know, North Dakota is very wise to believe that these people are going to get out of prison and they're going to be your neighbors, so they need to be socialized. Right. So we're going to do things like have art programs, right. have comedians come in and bust their chops and, and the shows are super fun and so he contacted me you sell any t-shirts I did not yeah I got, <laughs> got a lot of ramen got noodles a lot of ramen noodles <laughs> a lot of ramen bags <laughs> but I contacted me and they're like how would you like to do maximum and medium and I'm like I'm game we'll give it a shot that's fucking crazy so I did the medium security show first uh-huh. and they're really nice guys but I realized like five minutes in I'm talking a lot about my marriage and like holiday stuff and they're getting sad, and I'm like, "Oh, right, this is a bummer for you," um, because they're staying in prison. Yeah. Um, so, I, in minimum security, it was much more about ramen noodles and masturbation, and they were like, "Wow, hilarious! We totally can relate <laughs> to that." And like, you could do bits, and they would laugh, but they, um, um, yeah, they were just they were just really easy and really fun. And again, 
when you look out at a prison crowd, some of those guys' faces are really hard, and because they're, I assume it's because they're protecting themselves, right? Because they need to. And when you make that face laugh, like really laugh, it's really rewarding. Yeah. But maximum security, you know, the outside is all barbed wire, like razor wire, like it's intense. And then you go through the legit, like the barred doors uh-huh. and they lock and you have to go through like five of them and somebody has to buzz you in and uh, it's a whole rigmarole and that's really intense and then these are the guys I mean it's maximum security this was all men though too right? yeah it's yeah, all men so it, you weren't doing like the woman's prison you weren't no no I wouldn't have made it out of the woman's prison with it. I would have been I would have been worn down to a nub <laughs> it just won't work anymore yeah I'm sorry I'm out of fluid ladies <laughs> it's just like, get me a Gatorade and we'll talk you're looking like uh, Christian Bale in the Massacre. Yeah, yeah, I got no. Or the Machinist. What is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have no electrolytes left. I'm sorry. Um, and so it was really fun, but you know, again, like I said in the bit, the first show, the PA was really bad. Yeah. And everybody was still sitting down when the show started, and the guy that brought me up, the first. Did rule, you have an opener? No, I just had a the just a yeah. guard, but, yeah, the but guard he didn't do a hey jokes. let's let's hear it for. That focuses everybody. He just went, okay, here's a guy. <laughs> so they didn't really know the show started. Yeah. And yeah, I go, uh, hey, man, what's your name? And the guy goes, Chrome. <laughs> and then Chrome goes, and I'll do the what he actually said was, uh, say something funny, motherfucker. And I go, here's something funny. After the show, I get to leave, and then I'm going to go fuck your mother. And then Chrome stood up out of his chair and uh, pretended to be really, really mad about it. But I also, I had to go back and do another show at 6. So yeah. there was an early show and a late show. And the guard was like, his name's not Chrome. His name's Steve. I don't know what he's talking about. They've been giving him shit about that all day. <laughs> his name is Chrome. Yeah. No, he his was just. His name is Steve. He was doing like, this is what that guy thinks prison is like. Let's fuck with him. And I'm not positive the guards didn't go like, fuck with the comic a little bit. It'll be fun. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? But, you know, again, there was a moment of, like, this is terrifying, and then it's like, nah, this is all good fun. It's all it's all fine. Um, and that, that's really cool. I yeah. mean, uh, it's certainly different. Yeah, it's, it's scary. It's because <clears throat> there are dudes in there that killed people legit. Right. And this could go poorly. <laughs> and, again, I wasn't in a shark tank. I was standing in a basketball <laughs> Mark Cuban, court. Mark Cuban wasn't there. Yeah, yeah, there was <laughs> to no. Turn you down. There was no. Well, no. What I mean is like a literal Shark Tank. Like I wasn't lowered down in a cage. Danny I, Trejo was there. <laughs> yeah, it was just me talking. So, uh, you you do these. Uh, you got recognition from it. From I got a really Aberdeen great write up in the paper. Yeah, uh, Aberdeen American News. Yeah. It's so different because you don't hear comics doing that. I mean, this is the first I've ever heard about that. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, this could be a thing. Well, I mean, like, go go on tour and be the prison comic. That's your thing. That's your nope. blue collar comedy tour. <laughs> nope. No thanks. No thanks. <laughs> it is not not stressful. It's a fun thing to do once in a while. If they want to do it again next year, I'll definitely do it. Mm-hmm. I do not want all of my shows to be prisons. It's too much. And again, there are just other factors that you don't usually have to deal with and i'm not trained to deal with prisoners right so well you had said that um you had to change your sets yeah well like okay so i have a bit about finding a kid in my alley and in the bit i say you know 
the part of you that's eternal sees a child and wants to help them, but the part of your brain that lives now thinks you're going to bend down to help them, and ten cops are going to jump out and go, we got a pedophile. Right. So I had to change pedophile to kidnapper, because if you say, if you remind the convicts that there are sex offenders amongst them, Right. They tend to get violent. Is, what, was that something that you had to do trial uh, trial and error? Like, did you no, say they, told, they told me this. Oh, they told you this. Okay. Well, that's... Like, I wonder how much I talk about sex offenders. More than you think. <laughs> when somebody tells you not to say something, you're surprised it, at how so much they, you go, oh, huh. So they obviously had to see your show before. They had to see um, your material before. Well, they saw me do... I mean, I sent them a tape, but they saw like a 10-minute tape. Okay. Um... And I don't think the guys... In, no, I don't think the maximum security guys... I think they just took what's-his-name's word for it. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? That's how we got uh, every show. <laughs> it is. That's how you get a lot of shows. You'd be surprised. That's cool. Um, no, again, it was really fun. I would not want to do that every day. It is. Mm-hmm. It, there's a level of stress to it that you just don't deal with in normal life. Yeah, it's, it certainly sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah but it's, it's so. definitely an adventure. It's definitely something... Yeah. And I'd go back, but again, I just don't want it to be seven days a week of prison and right. trying to waiting to figure out what's gonna what's coming down the pipe next. Yeah, well, really cool, Spencer. Yeah, man. Uh, how are you feeling? Good. How? Uh, we're about that, a you got enough? We're about an hour fifteen. Okay. Yeah. So okay. Um, I like to end in two different things. Okay. Um, we could we could do a couple of different things, really, actually. Uh, one, if you got anything you want to plug. Okay. Uh, you were just at Bosses this weekend. Uh, yeah, well, this, this is going to air. This is probably going to be released uh, next week. Okay, so next never mind. Yep. Um, Spencer Dobson Comedy dot com. Uh, click the animation tab. Subscribe to my YouTube uh, channels. Uh, just something to watch while you poop. Uh, <laughs> if you want to book me for something, um, there's a there's a contact link on my website. Um, yeah, that. Okay, love it. Uh, do you want to? I, I tried to get Stu to sing a song. Do you want to sing a song? Oh, I'd rather play one. I don't have a guitar with me. <laughs> oh shit, that would have been great too if you had the guitar. Yeah, I, I have one in my hotel I definitely room. Definitely done that. Um, me, well, let me see if I got something on my uh, phone, because sometimes you know, just to kind of keep track of how you're sounding, I will uh, just make a video. Yeah. I'll try and find a. I don't know. I don't know if any of them are a good one. Oh, this is. I made a. So last winter, I was on Facebook Marketplace and I found. Uh, somebody was selling a guitar body for what's called a, a Billy Bow, which is a guitar Bo Diddley made and gave to Billy Gibbons. And Billy Gibbons had Gretsch Matz produce them. So I, and the, the guy did a really weird job on it. There was a lot of routing and filing. And mm-hmm. I bought like the wrong kind of chisels. I bought metal chisels instead of wood chisels. And yeah, the, the, the holes for the wiring were too small. And so the whole thing was a huge, like really, and, and, and now I have a perfectly okay guitar. <laughs> Perfectly okay guitar. So this is this is gonna be Spencer. Mm-hmm. The metallic twang. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a jet slide and then uh, open G tuning and. And then you said you taught yourself, right? Well, YouTube. I YouTube. mean, I took lessons when I was 14 and 15 and then, you know, uh, hung out with a bunch of long hairs and we played a lot of Metallica songs. Cool. Uh, but then I started playing again in earnest last, uh, more than that, I guess. It's almost been two years now. But right after the election, 
when it was like, I got to do something other than read the news because my head's going to pop off. <laughs> and so I'm kind of an okay guitar player now. Cool. Well, but, it sounded great. Thanks, man. I like that. I, I don't play any instruments other than the skin flute. So Great. You know, yeah. That's an important good, one. That's a good one. Uh, <laughs> making sure to keep that prostate cancer away. That's uh, right. <laughs> Uh, I like to end every show with our guest, you. Okay. Um, you're not on every show. Uh, <laughs> but I like to end our, have our guests end with their famous last words. Is this what I'm going to say before I die? Or or is this just like words of wisdom that you can take with you? These are your famous last words, and you can take it for what, it, for what you Whatever want. Whatever that means. Whatever that means. It could be serious. It could be funny. It could be... Words of wisdom, it could be the last thing you say before you die. It okay. does not matter. I, I think I'm, I, I, there's plenty of... I'm going I'm to be sincere. Look, <laughs> everybody's doing the best they can. So try to have a little bit of patience and don't be too big of a fucking twat. I love it. Those are my famous last words. Thank you very much, Spencer. You're welcome. Appreciate Thanks, it. Casey.